Curry will bring it across. Takes it to the logo. Goes left on Brunson. Driving in. Skipped it over to Wiggins. Wiggins puts it on the deck. He'll drive the glass. Goes up for the oh, yeah. oh, my goodness. Oh, they're going to call it an offensive foul on Wiggins. Not a team foul. Steve Kerr's got to call a timeout. going to challenge it? He may challenge that. Now back to 95-7, the game. Comrades and Alan Styles. Talking about our favorite memories from this playoff run. Someone on the Xfinity Mobile text line said it was Curry's 43 points in game four of the NBA Finals. That's a good one. That's the one that I feel like is very obviously at the top of the list. And that's the one that is going to go down like as the the lasting moment from this year's playoffs. Yes. With all due respect to the Andrew Wiggins dunk, which now let's let's is that does that now because the Warriors won the title like surpass the Baron Davis dunk over Andre Kirilenko? S- saw that earlier as well, and that'll it's apples and pears maybe not apples and oranges <laughs> but apples and pears. I mean, I just okay. I don't think it's fair to compare it, right? I don't think it's fair to compare, but but you have to two like massive Warriors playoff dunks. It's they're they're obviously going to be which one is the thing is is the Baron Davis sort of defined we believe right mm-hmm. and that moment was like an exclamation point like okay the Warriors are here they are in this series they beat Dallas they ended up getting you know rocked by the Jazz but that game was like the Warriors are still in it they're still around that is an iconic dunk the Warriors were never underdogs against Dallas. For the most part, I think people thought no, they were going yeah, to no, they, they no, they Dallas and go to the finals. No, they weren't. That's I, why the Baron Dunk for me is still tough because that Baron Dunk was like the defining, we believe, moment. Whereas the Andrew Wiggins Dunk was a like cool exclamation point on the series, but not. It didn't define this postseason. I don't, the Curry yeah. forty-three point game, I think, did. Yeah, the we believe. I mean, taking you know being being the eight seed. I just think that that. Dunk is just too iconic. I don't know if anything will ever. It's just, it's just different. It's just different. Now, if if that had happened, like in Boston, and he did it over Jason Tatum to, you know, right, put an exclamation point on a game four win, like okay, maybe then. But Baron was the best player on that team, and that was just kind of one of those, one of those things that just kind of lives by itself. The Wiggins dunk was really cool. But to me, it just doesn't. I wondered, you know, okay, they got to win the title for it to even matter. And I had kind of forgotten about it because so much other stuff has happened since. Yeah. So that's why the Baron Dunk's above it. For me. No, the, the Baron Dunk is above it for me, too. I saw earlier on the text line talking about favorite moment from this postseason, the transition threes from Steph in game six and pointing to the finger, mm-hmm. uh, the ring finger in the third quarter. Me personally sitting there wondering, did Steph maybe – do, do all of this too early. It's still only the third. We've saw what happened in game one. But now, obviously, now that they won, you sit there and, and it sounds ridiculous to think that. But you could just tell. They weren't, even with Al Horford going in fuego again, you could just tell that this team was just, we are not doing a game seven. And yeah. Draymond's right now tweeting, Get re- getting ready for game seven, lock in, happy Father's Day. And obviously, SportsCenter and everybody retweeted it. And again, so glad that everyone can just enjoy their Father's Day without the anxiety of this game looming 
just yeah. looming. Right now it's 3.07. You'd be getting ready for it. You'd be excited, but you'd also maybe be, feel a little queasy. Peak, 3.08 before a 6 p.m. tip is peak like pacing around the house time. Right, right. Like pregame shows are about to start. What do I do with my hands? I'm just moving around trying to burn off this nervous energy. Um, the 510 says scoring 43 is not a moment. Curry crying is a moment. Yeah, the Curry, the Curry breakdown for sure stands out. And we talked about that earlier. That's going to be the one. If, if there's anything from this run that's on one of those all-time montages, mm-hmm. it's Curry pointing to his ring finger. In the third quarter, by the in way. In the which third is quarter. <laughs> well, and, and did you see that there was a no-look in it amongst that whole thing, too? Steph did a little quick no-looker. Oh, yeah. He turned, yeah, he turned the away. One where, the one where he was going right, pump-faked on Marcus Smart, mm-hmm. went back left around the Draymond screen and pulled. Yeah, he did the turn away there. And then Petty Steph came out. Yeah, hit the 32-footer over Robert Williams. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was so good. And now the Warriors, just like the Avengers at the end of Endgame, begin anew. And you can, you're not closing. You're you're closing the chapter in the in this iteration of the dynasty. I think when talking about closing the loop, clo- ending the chapter. No more Kevin Love and Kyrie were hurt. Right. No more three-one. No more. You, you know, no more Kevin Durant had to save you. Now, if I'm the league, you should be even more scared because the whole time the Warriors are playing with this looming over their heads, right? The big three were. can and I, and I know they never questioned it, but even as fans, come on, just get this ring without KD. Get this ring with the team being full strength. Steph, get that finals MVP so everyone can just shut up about all of all the naysayers, all of that garbage that was being spewed. Now that they've done it, the Warriors are going to be playing more free than ever before. They're going to be playing looser than ever before, and that should be a very scary thought for the rest of the National Basketball Association. And that's that's one of the fascinating things about this team was is they didn't just kind of like limp to this title. They looked dominant over the last three games. Mm-hmm. And there was never a point in any of the series leading up to the finals where I thought they were in danger. Over an all-time defense. Are they still going to call? Because you know they hate to you know they hate to never give the Warriors credit. Are they still going to call the Celtics defense all-time now that the Warriors torched it and Steph got the finals MVP off one of the best defense of all time? Because I haven't heard that since. Did you hear what Mark Jackson said? If I'm Steph Curry, I'm thanking the Celtics defense because oh they gosh. kept letting Horford switch onto him. But what else was Boston going to do? Like what that that's just such an asinine thing to say. Well, I guess in He was cooking every defense they threw at him. Right. Except for when they would double and triple him, in which case the Warriors got an easy look. I guess in game five, the gritty game, the Andrew Wiggins game, mm-hmm. in game five, Marcus Smart just played like a DB and just didn't leave Steph. Right. And I don't know if they got away from that. I don't know if they just felt like it wasn't sustainable. I don't know. It didn't it didn't ultimately matter. Because yeah, there wasn't anything Boston was going to do that was going right. to stop. Golden you State. needed Clay to be ice, ice baby. You needed Jordan Poole to be a non-factor. They needed so many things to be able to do the Marcus Smart just never leave Steph, and they mm-hmm. couldn't. It wasn't sustainable, right? It was sustainable for one game, and Steph still got looks in Game Five. He just missed them, so right. it, they just had no answer. They, no, and that's that's why, especially after Game Five. I know that put him up three two, but it was like, oh, Steph didn't even shoot it great. Mm-hmm. And Boston still had trouble stopping Golden State. And it's not like Golden State scored 130 a game, but 
they just Boston couldn't string together enough stops, whether Steph was shooting it well or he wasn't. And that's why when you when when you're looking at like, yeah, okay, Clay's getting older, Steph's getting older, Draymond's getting older, but if they bring back Looney and they bring back GP2, and Jonathan Kaminga is a little better next year, and James Wiseman's a little uh, playing and improved from the last time we saw him, and Moses Moody's a little bit better next year. Are we looking at a like deeper version of this team, a more athletic version of the Warriors? Well, well remember, yeah, remember the dark days of the Warriors need a big, the Warriors need a big. Well, now the Warriors will <laughs> have a big. Those dark days, like four months ago. Four months ago, Warriors need a big. Okay, well now the Warriors have a big. And they didn't have to lose anybody. They lost mm-hmm. no pieces. So, and that was the big knock. And then the other big knock was defensively. And and that never made sense because the Warriors had the best defense in the league before Draymond went down. And Draymond was leading the clubhouse for Depoy again. Then he got injured. So then your defense continues to get better because Klay Thompson is another year removed. And he's getting better. Steph Curry's getting better. Jordan Poole will be a little bit better. Everybody's going to be better. So we can sit there and say, well, the Grizzlies are going to be better. Well, the Suns are going to be better. The Mavs are making moves. But the Warriors are not stagnant. Right. They're getting better, too. Right. The Clippers are going to be back. Who cares? Who cares? Because the Warriors are getting better, too. The Lakers, who cares? They are getting better, too. Somebody brought up the um, Kevon Looney 22-rebound game against Memphis in Game 6. To help close uh, to close the Grizzlies out, he had 18 boards against Dallas in Game Five to help close Dallas out. He also had that 21 point, 12 rebound game against Dallas in Game Two of the Western Conference Finals. I'm with you, man. Like, there's not. Am I penciling the Warriors into the finals the way I did when they had Kevin Durant? No, because the you just said it. The West is going to be tough. Yeah, and and so but and, mm-hmm. but. I'm not like I said. It, this title wasn't wasn't such that it was like, man, they just got over the hump. They needed all these things to go their way. They weren't really the better team. Like, no, they were just better than Boston, and they rolled through all their other playoff series. Okay, Denver gets Jamal Murray back. To, are, are they a tougher team? Yeah, for sure. But they're still like, I I, I talked about this with Steven on Friday morning. Mm-hmm. With, with nice guy Steven, Stephen Langford. And he talked about how he didn't really believe in championship DNA. He thought that was just like a sports cliche. But we saw it on display throughout this playoffs as Steph Curry's coming off the bench and the team is learning how to play together and you've got different guys playing different roles in every single series and they were just constantly evolving and adapting. They were never the same team series in and series out. And that comes from knowing what it takes to win. It's Draymond Green getting benched in game three and saying, yeah, I didn't play very well. Or game four, when he got benched, saying, I didn't play very well, but hey, whatever it takes to win, like, I'm doing it, no questions asked. That comes from winning titles Mm -hmm. and knowing what it takes to get there. Yeah. And I just think that's really going to matter with all these other teams coming up who have never been there before. No, and and eventually... This isn't going to go on forever, right? Father time is undefeated. Correct. But right now, and we have to, we have to, we do have to say this as well. You can't bet on this. You can't, you can't guess what's going to happen. But that is another reason. Whenever you see a finals run like this, all those things you said are true. But at the end of the day, it's also health, man. Yes. It's also health is so important. I mean, if you look at 
and we're not going to do the the Grizzlies no John ja Morant thing. I just in general having your whole squad, which the Warriors did not, because you lose GP two, um, you know, for a duration of time because of the Grizzlies. But you're looking at you're looking at you know a run where everyone was pretty much healthy besides the GP two, the Otto Porter Juniors, and the Andre Iguodala's, and that is just so important. Obviously, you can't bake bank on that, and you don't know what's going to happen. You can just help. You want everybody to be healthy. You don't you don't want to beat anybody because they're missing somebody or anything like that. But it just so many things have to come together and and it all does come back around to enjoying this to soaking it all in cuz you do not know what's going to happen we can sit there and say yes the warriors have the be- are tied for a three-way tie for best odds to win it next year that doesn't mean anything that really right. doesn't mean anything because we know th- how quickly things can change so just stay in the moment enjoy the moment enjoy the parade safely listen to Allen's bart hacks and just ride off into the sunset and enjoy this thing because you don't know. But but if we're taking health out of it and assuming everyone is healthy, the Warriors are in an incredible position. Right. Incredible. And there's nobody close. Everywhere else, LeBron, like LeBron has never really put together a dynasty because he's jumping around, right? The Heat tried, but they only got two there. He goes back to the Cavs. He gets one. He gets one with the Lakers. There's no other team, maybe the Bucks or or – the Celtics that have a core that have anything that they can hang their hat on even close to the Warriors. The Bucks is the only team I can think of because they have a championship and they have that core. But that's it. But is it it feels like there's there's the like the Bucks is like a lot of Giannis. Yes. And we saw this year Chris Middleton goes down and they lose in the conference semis. The Heat just weirdly like stick around, but how long is that sustainable? Where Jimmy Butler is just throwing the team on his back night they, in, night They're going to get another like piece. How, they they're going to have to. Yeah. Um, what the Warriors have done is just so rare and so different, and you know teams can try and replicate it, but it's not super easy. Like there's personalities getting together, and Draymond Green talked about in in the lead up to Game Six the you know the flight back. Uh, to Boston and how Clay and Steph and Draymond are all sitting together and Bob Myers talking about how rare that is. And that's something that I think just gets, unless you're a Warriors fan, which you and I and most people listening are, you don't understand the, the intangibles that come along with putting a stretch like this together. I saw somebody on, on Twitter yesterday say, if you replace Steph Curry with Kevin Durant over this eight-year run, the Warriors have more than four titles. And I was like, pause that. That is absurd. A, it's absurd, but I don't even want to get into that. It's more like if that's the case, this team doesn't last eight years. Right. Because Steph Curry is so integral to the culture that allows these guys to do the give and take. And, you know, on a night where Steph doesn't have it, Andrew Wiggins can step into that role and be the leading scorer and the leading shot taker. And, Draymond Green can go to the bench and get his head right and play phenomenal basketball for the rest of the series. There's, there's, there are just intangible things that go into this that, okay, yeah, do older teams typically fall off, like, for sure. But you can't just say that with these Warriors. And we saw it this year. They weren't supposed to win this title. But they did because they were the best team at the end. And that's, we get so... As sports fans, we get so locked into 
this player or that player or this individual or that individual that we stop looking at teams. Mm-hmm. And at the end of this, when when you zoom out on the season, okay, dust is settled. It's like, oh, the Warriors were just the best team, like top to bottom. They that's that's what they were at the end of the at the end of all this. Did they have health on their side? Yeah, a little bit, like for sure. They they for the most part stayed healthy, but that it wasn't perfect. Like they had their ups and downs. They had their adversity. They just knew at the end of the day what it took in those key moments to win the Larry O'Brien. Mm-hmm. And that's not going away. It's not. It's not. And again, when you're looking at the other teams and and who who's going to show up, who's going to knock them off, people didn't think the Warriors needed to be knocked off because they didn't have Kevin Durant anymore. And now you get this ring. Everybody understands that the Warriors are still at the top. And you can make the argument, again, if Clay doesn't get injured, we've done this thing where, well, Clay got injured and Kevin Durant left and, you know, the Bucks get a ring and the Lakers get a ring. You could sit there and, and, and say, well, what if Clay didn't get injured? How many rings? They want to talk about if Kevin Durant was on the Warriors instead of Steph, which is just, that's just it doesn't matter. incredibly stupid. But what if Clay doesn't get hurt? In, in game six in the 2019 finals, how many rings do the Warriors have? Because now that they have this ring, who's to say they would have lost? Right. Who's to say? And I know Jordan Poole and and, and things like that. I, I We've been talking Marvel here. I'm not trying to do Doctor Strange time travel. Right. But at the same time, now you can ask those questions. You can ask those questions because it's true. They When they're healthy, they don't lose. They have not lost. They have not lost. They lost one time. I was two if you're counting Toronto, but one time <laughs> they've lost twice. They've lost twice. But I, I was just I, I didn't. I was on that train that said, "Man, I saw Clay go down in Game Six of 2019." And I was like, "That's it. Like that's that's the end of this." That was where my mind went, and I just couldn't have been more wrong. And. I in twenty the 2019-20 season was weird, but then last year, like I said, he got MVP Steph, and they were the eighth seed. It's kind of like okay, this is just what it is now. Like I, I don't want to put too much pressure on Clay and too much hope in that basket of a guy coming back from these two injuries. But Clay came back and was was had some awesome moments down the stretch. I think he'll be even better next year. I just I'm not counting this team out anymore. I, I've done it, and I look dumb. So. I, I'm just and, and here's the thing. I'm just there. Like I, I, I just. Why would I doubt these guys anymore? Like I've doubt, I did it once. Right. And they it culminated in this, and now we're at a spot where oh they might get better. Right. <laughs> I do know that there are Dubs fans out there that really did think that we're just going to drop Clay back in and it's back to 2014, 2015. I wasn't one of those people. You were not one of those people. But at least we're honest about it. I think there's a lot of Dub Nation that now want to sit around and say that they were on that train. Come on now. There were some dark days. Let's just be honest about this. I'm sitting here, and I'm saying when Clay went down that second time, I don't know. I don't know, man. I, I, it wasn't to say I didn't think they could do it, but what do you, what do you mean? They're just going to drop Clay back in and win another championship? That sounds – come it on. It turns out yes. It turns out yes. It turns out they could. <laughs> It turns out they could. <laughs> that's all, that's, yeah. all, it, that's all, right. all it took. Maybe it's that simple sometimes. Did you feel like Clay was gunning for a Game 6 Clay game? Kind he took some of, bad shots. Kind of, but I didn't think it was ridiculous. He got out of it quickly. Yes. He got out of it quickly. 
there were just a couple shots where it's like, oh man, he wants it so bad. Yeah, yeah. And Clay, it's not here for you. It's That's not fine. here for you. He had he had he was stellar in games four and five. Mm-hmm. And it's like okay, he had an off night in game six. So yeah. I just felt like he was really gunning. A couple of the shots he took, I was like, ah, that's probably not the shot you want to work for. I, I, no, it, well, each time it's just, Clay, I think we can confirm it's, it's, it's not happening. It's not. But then, he hit, but then he would like hit one and then he'd hit right. a mid-range. It's like, oh, there he is. He's coming back. It's coming back. No, no, no. It's okay. I, didn't he take the first shot of the game? I feel like he might have taken the first shot for the Warriors. First or second? It was definitely first or second. Clay, another, I don't even know if this is a sleeper pick, but. When you're talking parade MVP, okay, I, I want to know. We want to know your thoughts. Eight 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 nine five seven nine five seven zero. Who's going to be the parade MVP? All right. Clay might come through with an all time. The leader in the clubhouse has got to be Jordan Poole. It's Jordan Poole. Jordan Poole is if 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 we're placing bets on who's going to win the parade, Jordan Poole is like like minus two fifty right now. Right. He might. <laughs> he might put together. A, remember Jordan Bell. That's yes. And in 2018, that's where we're going. Where he ran out of Henny, and then r- found somebody in the crowd who had a bottle and went to the crowd and grabbed the bottle and took a swig. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking that type of game from Jordan Poole during the parade. Jordan Poole, okay, a dark horse would be. I'm I'm gonna go GP2. He's been a long road for GP2. Another another dark horse. I'd say JTA, hometown kid, living out his dreams. Not really sure if he's gonna be back. JTA JTA will party for sure. Is Draymond Draymond might be a co-favorite with Jordan Poole. Does he still have it? Does I he think, still have it? I mean, he's got kids now. I think he does. But remember when he said this? Don't let us win a f- championship. <laughs> he's got a lot to say, and I think he's going to say a lot of it on parade day. Right. Yeah. Draymond 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 will have it. Draymond's going to bring it. Yeah, I am. I am still interested in why they're doing the speeches first. And and earlier we had a call. I meant to read this off the text line. Uh, we had a call that was talking about the staging area and to not again to everybody listening that's taking Bart. Do not get off an Embarcadero. I don't even know if they're allowing people because it's the staging area, not a stage as in there isn't going to be a stage, but the staging area as in that's where all the buses and everything comes together. So do not get off an Embarcadero. We believe the the best exit will be Montgomery. There you yes. go. And that's a little bit less than halfway down the parade route. Yeah, it's, it's barely. Right it's the same price. It's the same price. It's yep. it's you can walk to to Montgomery from Embarcadero. Correct. They're very close stops. Extremely close. And if it's still crazy, you could probably even get off at Powell. To be completely honest with you, is what the Warriors are doing replicable in other sports? I don't want to look too far ahead with the Warriors yet, but I do want to look ahead and and take this Warriors model and apply it to the Giants, apply it to the 49ers, and see if there's another Bay Area dynasty coming anytime soon. Not to say the Warriors one is over, but are we going to get one for the Giants or the 49ers? I want to just kind of dive into that because I don't think it's a super easy equation because of the way the different sports work. So let's talk about that on the other side. He's Alan Styles. I'm Kyle Madsen. We're on 95.7 The Game. Curry springs free on the out-of-bounds and drops in a triple. That's a killer. Left corner three for Steph. He's 6 of 10 from deep and 30 has 30 in the game. Steph Curry was an MVP, unanimous MVP. And now he's an NBA Finals MVP. Congratulations, Steph, from 95-7, the game. Hell yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Kyle Madsen, Alan Styles, rock with you until five o'clock. Um, I went to a the Warriors Boston game in Chase Center this year where Steph got hurt. Oh, and there was this Boston fan in our section, in our row, a few seats down, who was loud the whole time. He was super obnoxious and couldn't say anything because the Celtics pounded the Warriors that night. I hope that guy's having a good day. Great day. And it's funny. It's so funny. We had calls from Boston when they were up in the series, Boston callers. We had people on the text line, 925 numbers, 510 numbers, okay? Local numbers that were Boston fans. Weird. Places that I was watching the game, there'd be at least a couple Boston fans in there. Once the Warriors took the lead in the series, it got eerily quiet. No more Boston calls. No more Boston texts. I didn't see any green in any of the places I watched the last couple games. Hmm. It's just weird. Where did all the Bay Area Boston fans go? You hate to see it. Where are they? What do they have to say, though? Like, what What are you going to say at that point? They got their asses kicked no. for the last three games. Yeah, but just like Dray- Draymond said, to, I think he was talking about was he talking about Kendrick, Kendrick Perkins? Somebody like that. Stand on your word, brother. Stand on your word. I stand on mine. You were there when the war, when the Warriors were down. Okay, talking all that mess. Where are you now? You they weren't they weren't even. I stopped seeing them once the Warriors tied it up two two. That's when I should have known the series was over. I stopped seeing Green when the Warriors went up two two. Because in that game four, it was it didn't seem like Boston really had. As I go, Steph's just kind of the great equalizer. Yeah. Like you can do everything right, but Steph is still going to. And then in game five, they take Steph away, and it doesn't matter because you let the Warriors play four on three with Draymond getting downhill. You're going to get open shots every time. Yeah. I just, it's just weird. I just had to, just, if, if anybody is listening, any Boston fans that were so happy to call in early, feel free to call in now. Feel free to call in now. What are you now. hoping they say? Just congrats and just hang up. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you need that? Yeah. You need that validation. I want it. Okay. All, no, right. the, all, all the all the bosses, all the jerseys are back in their closets. Okay, you got the dust off them for this series, or you purchased them once they made it to the finals. Go ahead and return them. All right, go to play it against sports. Turn them in. Put them on Etsy. Do whatever you got to do. Put them on Etsy. <laughs> Is that just what people do with their old jerseys now? Do whatever you just want. Throw them on Etsy. But call in first. Yeah, I think it's. When a team loses and people go, where's all this? This team's fans like probably bummed out. They're probably just a little bummed. (laughs) Their favorite team lost. Give us your stories. If you saw some Boston fans and all of a sudden they just disappeared, let us know. Just we've been talking Marvel the whole time. Thanos got them. Poof, they're just gone now. Steph Thanos. Steph Thanos. Thanos. They're just gone now. Thanos. Isn't that a Game of Thrones character? Stannis. Stannis Stannis Baratheon. Either way, they're gone. Gone. Yeah. Go on. And I'm happy for him. I'm happy that they caught that L and got to hold on to it for a little bit. Yeah. yeah, that was weird. I don't know if, like, I never, like, when they beat the Grizzlies and Clay talked about Jaron Jackson tweeting strength in numbers and in a game that he didn't even play in and um, putting the, making his profile picture the, the photo of Brandon Clark dunking on Kevon Looney. Mm-hmm. And, like, 
the Grizzlies had a lot to say. So when the Warriors beat them, it was kind of like, <laughs> I'm going to be a hater and hate on the Grizzlies. It didn't feel like Boston had that much to say. Like they weren't, I didn't, you I didn't mean, really feel any vitriol toward the Celtics. Well, no, but again, this has been building with the with the Grizzlies. Like I just don't the, like the Celtics because because it's Boston. And right? Just, no, there's no there's no ill will or there's no history. There right. is a history with the Grizzlies. Whether it's a rivalry or not, I don't think so because I think feels for, like a rivalry at this point. It's the closest thing. I guess uh-huh. I, I think that just means that there are none right now. Right? If that's the closest thing, because I don't think it's a rivalry. I mean. Sure, they knocked the Warriors out of the play-in last season. The Warriors knocked them out of the playoffs this season. So I'll give you that. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think if there are any other big ones right now because I don't know that they are. And and specifically, to have a rivalry, you need the right pieces. And I mm-hmm. was on record saying that I thought the Celtics were kind of a boring team. Yeah. And I do think that they are, uh-huh. right, when you look at – they're also known as even keel. When you're winning, it's even keel. When you lose, you're right. boring. That's sure. pretty much it, right? So I'm think I'm thinking Celtics. I'm thinking a lot of these teams. The Grizzlies, when you look at the Grizzlies and Warriors, you got Draymond Green, who who is never afraid to talk. You got Ja Morant, who is never afraid to talk. They're still upset about Andre Iguodala. They want to say that. They're living rent-free in the Warriors' heads, but they're still mad about what happened with Andre Iguodala from two years ago. Right. When Which he ended up wild. going when he ended up going to the finals that year. They're acting like and they didn't go to the playoffs. Right. They're acting like it was a bad decision. Right. A bad decision. So they're saying that they're living rent-free. Now Ja and Draymond went back and forth and essentially told the NBA. We're playing on Christmas. They they basically told the NBA that. <laughs> Ja's like, we pulling up. I'm on your block. All right? And Draymond's like, we. Draymond said, basically, Draymond was talking to Ja. Ja was saying, you know, we can play in Memphis or whatever. And Draymond said, the champs play at home. <laughs> the champs play at home. And then Ja said, I'm on your block. Okay? Hilarious. So, that's. I think the Warriors secretly love this. Oh, yeah. I think it keeps them young. Yes, right? I think it definitely. keeps them young, keeps them spry. And if you're the Grizzlies, it's something to aspire to. I think it's a win-win for everybody across everybody across basketball, to be honest. Because who is another who is the other NBA rivalry? Like you said, it is a rivalry. We're, I'm saying I don't know if it's that level, but what else is closer for basketball right now? I don't I don't know. Maybe there's some fan base that get maybe the Nets and Celtics get up for one another in a way that but I don't. I think Grizzlies Warriors is going to be one of those like, oh man, everybody kind of tunes into this one. Yeah. Because everybody knows that there's going to be some jawing back and forth. And did you see the? Did you see Grant Williams and Draymond after the game, dap it up and mm-hmm. Draymond saying like, you guys will be back, no doubt about it. Da, da, da. I saw. I, I wish I could remember who it was. They they retweeted that video, and said that like, sports are weird. I like, saw that these one. guys go at it, and now they're friends. It's like, yeah, man, that's how competition right, works. Right, right. It's called between the lines, buddy. T- that's, t- <laughs> oh, come on. Really? How do you not, as a media person, you, say, how do you not? Yeah, that, as a media person, right. it's like you cover basketball. We take, we take, we, as I say, we fans, take that, like, jawing back and forth so personally. Like, when I see John Morant, you know, talking smack, I'm like, you know what? Screw John Morant. Right. Screw Jaron Jackson talking, talking smack and doing the strength and numbers tweet. Like, I hate that. But the players aren't holding it against... Clay did. Clay held it against Jaron Jackson. But when they're talking smack on the court, like, that's all they're doing. Right. They're competing at the highest level. And once the whistle blows and the and the, and the game's over, 
It's not personal. Right. I, and I would even say and I would even say that it might be even more personal when you're in high school or even college, high school or even CYO cuz you don't know these you don't know these your your opponent, right? You're just trying mm-hmm. to make your name, you're trying to do this, you're trying to do that. So I would say there's probably more no love lost in high school basketball than there is in yeah. the NBA because let's face it, I hate to do it, but at the end of the day, these guys are millionaires, right? I mean, there's not a lot for them to actually be upset about. You have Michael Jordan and Isaiah Thomas, who clearly don't actually like each other, right, in right, real life. Like physically assaulting each other. Right, but that's, that's if you look at it, that is the exception to the rule on a lot of this stuff. Right. A lot of these other guys, it's between the lines. Well, it's between the lines. What's up, Brian? The media member you're talking about is Michael Hurley of WBZ of Boston. Thank you, Michael Hurley. Huntley was in my head for some reason, and I thought that was wrong. So, Michael Hurley, thank you, Brian. Um, I I think, too, with the way the AAU circuit is now and with the way these guys are all connected through different endorsements and, and shoe companies, like everybody's at least somewhat cool with one of them. No, I think that's a great point where you're the road you're going down is is spot on because the the most obvious thing here, social media, right? Mm-hmm. In the 90s, right? The 80s, 90s, whenever, even the early early 2000s, right? Unless I don't know MySpace whatever, after the game, you never saw that person, whatever it is, maybe if you ran in the same circles, you're not just picking up and calling them on the phone because there's no texting, things like that. You mm-hmm. have so much access to these people, and Ja Morant can jaw with whoever and then sit there and tweet Steph Curry's top five, and it's not it's right. not even close. Right. So it's a whole new dynamic where these guys almost have to be friends because there's so much content between everybody that it's not like back in the day where we played a game and we're not going to see you again until we're back on the court. Right. Right? So I think that's a part of it too. But at the same time, being able to jaw with the guy – and use that like I think Draymond uses that to fire himself and his teammates up and get them into it. Like that stuff still very much matters. And I think that ability to trash talk and to say, like, hey, when the game's on, we're not friends. Like we're not cool when the game I am gonna do everything I can to win. I'm gonna say whatever I have to say to you to win. That's a skill. And that skill matters. I think we saw it with Draymond. He lost that edge a little bit in games three and four got it back in games 5 and 6 and was and was excellent top to bottom he was one of their best players over those last two games on both ends of the court yeah and and if you're Draymond there's always going to be a lot of peaks and valleys right mm-hmm. just because of how he plays the game I do feel like in those later games in five and six, he was able to get to that middle ground where I'm firing up my team. But he wasn't game two level, but right. I don't think he needed to be at that point. He was in time. more under control. Game for two sure. level, he needed to be at that level to set the tone because we go down 0 2 and we just fried our two home games. Mm-hmm. We're cooked. That right? tough. So he knew he had to walk that line in game two. I think he knew he wanted to play better. But he also knew that he didn't have to focus that much on the chippiness in games five and six because we're just better. We're just better. Yes. And especially in game six, I was so hyped for Draymond because he goes 12, 12, and eight. A couple blocks, a couple steals, was just so good defensively and just did it quietly. Mm -hmm. Like, didn't didn't rile up the crowd, wasn't out there talking, wasn't out there. Just was like, check this out. I am a Hall of Fame caliber basketball player, watch this. I'm going to go hit two threes after not hitting any in the finals. And I'm going to hit this mid-range jumper, which I haven't done since 2014. (laughs) 
<laughs> I don't know if that's true, but man, it feels like it. I'm gonna hit the. I'm gonna play the best defense of the season on all your best guys. I'm gonna pull down these rebounds. I'm gonna lead the break. I'm gonna make this sick pass. And there's nothing your chants are gonna do about it. And I loved that. Not only as a Warriors fan because it helped him win, but just for Draymond because you know he was re- <laughs> he was relishing that in a way that that not a lot of players get to. Right. Well, that was the last thing that he had to check off his box, right? So he didn't play well in those those middle games and then game 5, he played he played had a good game early. He was really active. He set the tone early, but that was at home. Mm-hmm. He still had to go on the road, go back to the garden and, and do what he hadn't done and hear the chance and and all that and he had to check that off his box. Really if he wanted to make sure the Warriors won and he did. It felt like the series was over when the Boston fans weren't giving it to him the same way they did in games. They were done. It was green tears everywhere. Green they tears knew, everywhere. They knew they knew it was they knew what time it was. Yeah. And I think we saw it the way they dominated game four and then dominated game five. It felt as a Boston fan, I don't know how you walked away from game five going, oh, we can still win this series. No. I mean the four oh eight is chiming in. You guys are spot on. I went to game four at the garden. Pre and during the game, I was given a ton of crap by fans. As soon as the game ended, you could tell Celtics fans and just knew it was over. That's so sick they got to be there for that yeah. game. Now you get to be the obnoxious fan. Yeah. You I do never, it. I, I, I never do that when I go. I lived in Phoenix for a while, and I go to some some Warriors-Suns games. I just – I I so much more relish in, like, just quietly walking around in my Warriors stuff, just like, yeah, you all know. I don't have to say anything. You all know. You all know what just happened. Mm-hmm. That's the type of person I am. Yeah. I mean. I'm not a good smack talker. Are we going to get all the bandwagon jokes again? Sure. Who cares? Right. You know why they're bandwagon jokes? Because the Warriors are champions. Right. No one talks about bandwagon fans for the Orlando there's Magic. Nothing, there's nothing softer. There's no bigger clown show than when you're like, oh, yeah, well, that team's fans just started watching in 2016. Right. First right. of all, right. no. <laughs> like, bro, the Oracle was rocking way before 2015. Like, that building's been sick. And that's just like a crutch to be like, I'm a better fan than those fans. Yeah. So that that championship means, that, like, go to hell. All, all you're telling me it's is that... It's such a clown way to view sports. All you're telling me is that you're a fan of a team that does not win championships. That's all you're telling me. Or or hasn't lately. Right. That's what you're telling me. Your team is a loser. Right. Bandwagon fans come with that territory. Right. Um, 925 says they were at game six in the garden. The fans were much nicer than I anticipated. And it was quiet all game. And that's what they go up 14 to two. Jason Tatum hits that big three to put him up 12 to two. Kirk calls a timeout. He stands there. Place is going nuts. And then the Warriors just started chipping away in the first quarter. And even when they got it to like five and it was like, okay, they have this game under control. It's manageable. That place was tight. They and were... they just knew because the Warriors know in those moments, hey, 14 to two, first four or five minutes, doesn't matter. Like, this is fine. They expected it. They knew it. Yeah. Kurt knew he's probably storm. going to yeah. have to fry a timeout early. And the Celtics and Celtics fans knew that if they didn't get out to a crazy lead to start this thing, I'm talking 20, I'm talking 15 points after the first, right? 10 mm-hmm. would have to be the, the least, right? If you're the if you are the Celtics, you gotta be out of the first 
quarter up 10. You got to go into halftime up. You have to be comfortable. You have to be comfortable. And they just, to make the Warriors frantic and to get those open shots and to make the rotations be a little tardy and, and things of that nature, and they couldn't do it. No. They couldn't. They tried. They tried their darndest, but they just couldn't do it. When the Warriors exited that first quarter, like we were talking earlier about when we knew the game was over, when they left the first quarter 27-22 after falling behind 14-2 early, and then they go into the half up 54-39, it just felt like Boston knows. Like, they threw their haymaker, and it didn't even phase the Warriors. Mm -hmm. And I think Boston kind of expected them to fold and pack it in and say, all right, let's go home. There's a well, game they were, they seven. They were hoping. They were hoping. Right. right. But like I said, they the, the Warriors very quickly got it to a manageable, like five, six points, and then they go on that 21 nothing run, 35-8 to eight it eventually got to, and that's ball game. Like The Celtics had their nice their, their little run, and they won the third quarter by five points, but they it never felt like the Warriors were out of control of that game. And there were just several moments where it's like, man, that's probably it. Like, oh, that's probably a wrap. You thought that it would, it would, and we can do this now. I didn't want to hear the maybe game one help the Warriors. I didn't want to hear that until the series was over. But you could make the argument now that game one may have helped the Warriors because they saw how hot that the Celtics could get. And they saw how if we're not on top of what we need to be on, on top of, the Celtics will make us pay. So I think moving, I think that did help them the rest of the series to say, look, Okay, now we know what level we have to stay at to get this done. So mm -hmm. we cannot drop under that level anymore. So, and I remember, and I don't know who it was on my beloved text line, but I do remember seeing this, and I was upset at the time. Warriors are down 1-0, but I did see, wouldn't you rather this happen in game one than game five? And you are Good spot point. on to whoever sent that text. Whoever sent that text back in the day, I wasn't, I wasn't ready for it. But it is, it is spot on because they got it out early. Mm-hmm. Right, And then they said, all right, this is the level we need to be at. If we drop under this level, the Celtics can beat us. We respect, Not that they didn't respect them before, but okay, we've, saw, we've seen what they can do when we're not on our P's and Q's. We can't let that happen again. And they really didn't. Well, and that's why I think Clay stepping up defensively was such a big deal because now the Warriors can go, they don't have to help so much with Clay, and now they can close out on those shooters because they didn't at the end of game one. It was very clear they were fine with Al Horford open threes and Derek White open threes. And as long as it's not Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum, then let Peyton Pritchard shoot it. But when you let those guys step into practice threes, they're going to hit them. Yep. And anytime the Warriors even got a modicum of a closeout, I bet they shot 25% for this. No more Super Saiyan. No. No more. 13 threes in that game one, more than six feet away from from the shooter. I'm not going to lie. It had me shook. We were like, all shook. It was like, what just happened? Because we've seen the Warriors going into that fourth quarter. They had control of that game. They're going to cruise to a game one win. That's how this works at Chase Center. Let's go. And then just nine for 12 from Boston for th from three in the, in the quarter. And even so, looking back at that <laughs> game, <laughs> looking back at that game, I think... You know, the, the Celtics getting their two wins. And one of them, they set an NBA Finals record on three-pointers. Yeah. That's what it took. Mm -hmm. So, for everybody that wasn't that shook after game one, that's why that's why they felt good about it. Because mm -hmm. that's what they had to do to win one game. 
and the Warriors are going to play better defense. So it, it was it was worrisome, but at the same time, it did prove to be a bit of an anomaly. Yeah, yeah, big time. And there was there was a thought to me. What obviously they were not going to shoot fifty one percent from three again, but it was like, man, are they going to shoot forty three or forty four percent for the for the series? Like, are they just going to keep getting these open looks? Mm-hmm. And they didn't. <laughs> and again, we are now, we would be about, what, an hour away from tip-off because they probably would have had a 5 p.m. tip. Mm-hmm. Anything can happen in Game 7. That's why Dibley stopped that, all right? Because Dibs you, was all about a Game one, 7. And you never got the Jason Tatum 45-pointer. What if it comes in Game 7? Mm-hmm. What if it comes in games? What if the, I don't think it was coming, by the way. I don't think it was coming either. But what what if that happens? What happens if Clay goes ice ice cold again, right? And mm-hmm. Steph doesn't have it. He's still coming back from what he did in game four. Mm-hmm. All of that could have happened in this game seven. And I don't want to hear anything about the best game in sports. Yeah, maybe if if you know if do I know that my team's gonna win? Because then, yeah, it's the best thing in sports. <laughs> but if my team's going to lose, it's the worst thing. Right. It's the worst thing. I do remember during 2016, there was a timeout late in the game, and I was sitting on my couch in my apartment by myself in Arizona, and I was like, this is ultimate. Like, this is why sports are great. There's nothing in life that gives me this level of exhilaration without any, like, with no consequence to my life. Mm-hmm. But in 2016, I where I was in, like, it just didn't, there was going to be no impact on how my on how my life went. It's like if this is the worst thing that happens to me, fine. So I took it all in during a timeout. But it's not like I want to do it again. I don't want to go through all that again. And from opening tip to to the end of the fourth quarter, my heart rate just being at like unhealthy levels. I didn't need all that. Yeah. I wanted to kick my feet up and relax today. Yeah. And that's what we got to do. And we get to sit here and recount like. Man, remember when this happened? And man, remember game one and didn't feel great about it then because, hey, it was all dumb. Mm-hmm. They won the finals. Doesn't matter now. Again. Doesn't matter now. 2022 NBA champion Golden State Warriors. Incredible. That's so sick. It's such a cool thing uh, that that happened. I still want to get into how other teams in the Bay Area replicate this. Yes. Will we see another Bay Area dynasty anytime soon? We'll talk about the Giants. We'll talk about the Niners. And how they can kind of replicate. We'll, we'll talk about what the Warriors did. And then whether either of those other teams can can replicate that. I also see uh, Padron on the text line. Eight, or on the phone line. 888-957-9570. If you want to chime in. I'm Kyle Madsen. He's Alan Styles. We'll chat with you next on 95.7 The Game.